what is it that drives you to stay on trail? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just like that sheer unadulterated freedom. I didn't really want to go to the doctor because I was worried something was actually wrong with me and I would rather, I know this sounds kind of morbid, but rather die a happy hiker than being told to get off trail. The next thing I know, like I'm woke, like I'm waking up to my buddy, like flipping me on my back and like grabbing me and being like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he said, I sat up and was like, hey, I'm fine. And then he said, as soon as I said, I'm fine, like I passed out again and had another seizure. What's going on, guys? You're listening to episode number 25, season two, episode three of I Just Want to Be Hiker Trash. I'm your host, as always, Hell Yeah Jesus, and today we have another wonderful conversation with Riker Warlick or Poison on the Trail. Poison was on the podcast a number of episodes ago before he embarked on the Continental Divide Trail. He's coming back on to talk about his CDT through hike. He also just got his permit for a PCT southbound through hike for which he has a goal of completing in a very fast time, and he'll talk about it on the podcast. He's also using a backpack that he made himself, so we'll talk about how to make your own gear. And he's going to be making me a backpack here soon, he told me, so I'm super excited to try that out. Another big thing we talk about is this expectation of thru-hikers, mostly through Instagram, but to keep on hiking new trails. Like, when are we ever going to be content? We talked about it on the last episode, too, but we're kind of explore it even further in this episode, and um, Riker gives his reasons why he enjoys staying on trail. And before we start the interview, I just want to say I appreciate everybody reaching out. I appreciate the views, the listens, the downloads. If you have a second, you know, maybe follow the podcast on Spotify, maybe leave me a review, give me five stars, you know, whatever you got to do, it really helps with getting the podcast out there. So I really appreciate it. But alas, let's start the interview. Do you hear that? Did you hear that? (laughs) It's so funny. It does that. Um, All right, man. I've got Riker Warlick here. Or poison on the trail. What's going on, man? Hey, how's it going, buddy? Pretty good, dude. So it's kind of awkward because we were just talking and we got to act like we weren't talking before. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I never know how to uh, enter the the interview. But so how how you been? You finished the CDT last. Actually, last time we talked, you had finished the AT and you're getting ready to hike the CDT. And now you've hiked the CDT and uh, you're getting ready to hike the PCT. Yeah, I applied for my permit actually this week for the PCT uh, to go south. So like that was like super nerve wracking uh, for those who haven't like applied. Like it's on a specific day at a specific time. And like you got to like sit there on your computer and hope that you get a spot. So I fortunately, I think I don't have a confirmation email yet, but I think I'm in. So that's pretty exciting. When are you starting? Uh, so I think I got July 2nd, um, is what I put in. I wanted July 1st just because like, ironically, I started the AT on July 1st and I started July 1st on the CDT, but, um, July 2nd is good enough, I guess. Did you go Sobo on the CDT as well? I did. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, last time we talked, I went, I, I attempted a Nobo in 2020 on the AT and then had to get off due to COVID and then waited till uh, July and then did a full Sobo and rehiked those miles. And um, from everything that I read, like logistically, the CDT is a far better trail Sobo. And personally, I think if you can do the miles, like you're physically able, I think Sobo is the way to go with like all trails when it comes to like that weather window, because like not as much rain. If you can yeah. beat the cold weather, it feels really nice. I feel you, man. Sobo for life. That's, uh, that's, that's how I feel. How, so it's gotta be interesting coming straight from the AT to the CDT. Like what off the bat was like the biggest differences that you noticed? So like, um, I know that you live or you have lived out West, uh, and it's, it's totally different, man. Like, I don't know, coming from like the East coast and I I'd done some, I, I'm an Eagle scout and doing backpacking with scouts. We ended up going out to New Mexico when I was a kid. That was like one of my first big trips. But other than that, like I'd never really been anywhere besides the East coast. And, um, don't get me wrong. Like my heart's still in the AT. Like I love the AT. You never yeah. forget your first, you know what I mean? But, uh, uh, the CDT was really magical. Like I just, there's just so much like to see. Um, it's just totally different mountains and it's super beautiful. Like, and just being able to, I'd never been able to see that far. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just to like look out and see a landscape and just see for miles was just not only mind boggling, but like super beautiful. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. And did the miles come a little bit easier for you? Um, I think it depends on the CDT. So like the CDT is a trail, but like there's other routes that you can take. And um, depending on like which way you went on trail, um, it would either like speed up parts of your trail or slow them down. And then some parts of trail, like you just had to go that way. And like, you'd have some bushwhacking or a lot of blowdowns. I remember in Montana, a couple sections that were pretty heavy on the blowdowns and that can be a little physically demanding and slow you down. But like, you know, like it's all temporary and, you know, then you get to super, some sections of trail, like a lot of New Mexico, you see a lot more like dirt roads and, uh, yeah, I was able like in New Mexico, I was able to actually crank out like a 58 mile day, which was cool. Like I've oh, never dang, done anything man. like that. Yeah, that dude. was really fun. I, that's longer than any day I've done. That's crazy. 58 miles. Nice. Yeah, Do you have we any... got like 18 miles in for the day and then got to like a place to resupply. And I saw that you could do an alternate and get like, pick up another 40 miles and then boom, you'd be in town. And I was like, it was supposed to be a full moon that night. So we like hung out there, <laughs> charged up stuff and then just decided to walk through the night. And I think we rolled up in town at like four in the morning and there was a Denny's and like had really, <laughs> really bad Denny's food, but it was a great time. Hell yeah, dude. And also I might edit this out, but this is very hiker trash, but I think your beard is getting in the mic. Oh, I'm so sorry. Hang on a second. You're good, man. I hope this doesn't mess up the audio. Oh, no, you're all good. Sorry, man. Uh, getting back used to it. I cut it all off right before <laughs> uh, uh, the CDT. Because on the AT, like, it's so thick. It started to actually, like, dread up, which is, oh, like, really? really weird. Yeah. And um, so I was like, I'm going to cut this off right before the CDT. And, um, the first day I was like looking in the mirror and I'm like, I like this. And then like day two, I was like, why did I do this and had to grow it back out? 
no I, I feel it, man i i love rocking i don't rock it anymore but i'm thinking about growing everything out again but i, I loved rocking the long beard i brought a little brush just a tiny little travel brush so i could brush out my beard because i also i was experiencing the nodding up and stuff yeah so i don't know man uh i'll like run my fingers through it but i just kind of deal with it and let it do it's like own weird thing so nice uh, do you use any beard balm you beard no, balm guy um I used to do like some beard products and I will like, if I'm going out and want to look spiffy or something, but like, uh, for the most part, like I run a lot and those like oils get like trapped up on your neck and stuff. And it's just like a gross feeling for me. So like, got it. I just kind of like let it do. It's like funky natural thing and just kind of embrace the weird. I feel you, man. Embrace the weird Austin, Texas, Portland, uh, Oregon, Mm -hmm. uh, Dude, if you do want beard balm, I'm, I'm just gonna shout out a boy really quick. Jim Bob's Grizzly Beard Care, my okay. favorite beard balm. Um, I use it every day. It's really good. Uh, <laughs> that's the only shout out I've ever done and ever uh, probably will do. But Jim Bob's Grizzly Beard Care, it's a great company. Well, if nobody follows Hell Yeah on Instagram, he has a great beard uh, when he grows <laughs> it out. So I, I believe him, man. Dude, your beard I think is bigger than my beard ever was right now. Um, so right after college, I didn't shave again. And I had like a beard down past like the middle of my chest. And then I shaved that before the AT or the CDT. And now it's back here. But I, for those who can't see, I know nobody can see right now, but I do shave my head. I like rocking the bald look. It's were you bald when I first uh, talked to you? Cause I feel like you weren't. No, I shaved my head on the CDT this year. Uh, my hair was just getting long and Unfortunately, I'm slowly balding. So instead of like, I don't know, instead of like trying to hide it or being ashamed of it, I just decided to own it and like just go bald, you know? So, and I love it. Like, it's just a fun look for, I think, you know, like owning (laughs) the bald look at 24 is kind of fun. Oh yeah, man. And you probably get a little bit of a cold head at night. Do you have to wear a sleep with a beanie on? Um, so uh, actually on the CDT, I brought, I like, I'd sewed my own beanie that was like real lightweight and I really enjoyed it, but, um, I lost it unfortunately. And I was hiking with another guy named full, super cool dude. And he showed me how to do this. Like, so you like slide the buff over your head and then you twist it at the top twice and then flip it back down. And it makes like a super nice fitted skull cap. And like, it's super warm. And I just like, I was like, I already have it. And now it has another use. So we're just going to rock that. And I wore that I, before the CDT. I did not understand why people liked buffs so much. Like I had one because they're like yeah. every hiker needs buff. But with sun exposure, <laughs> it's so nice to have to like protect your neck, your ears. Um, like my ball cap from the CDT, the top of it, where it used to be like the ribbing on it used to be black. And now it's like gray and the bottom side is black from how much sun exposure I got out there this year. Oh, dang, dude. Yeah, it's crazy, especially like in the Alpine too, how strong the sun is. Like you bat there 15 minutes and you're fried. Like it's just like. Yeah. I I think like that's something like this year coming up, I'm going to like super focus on. I got some pretty bad sunspots on my cheeks where I just didn't look after myself like I should have. But um, I'm definitely going to take that because not some like skin health is not something to like joke around about you know so yeah um do you carry sunscreen with you i do um <laughs> i just get really bad at remembering to put it on and then i get into town and i'm like 
oh, that was bad. <laughs> I know a lot of people also wear uh, sun uh, gloves. Are you thinking about doing that as well? Um, so I don't use trekking poles. Yeah. So I think a lot of times my sun- hands don't get as exposed. Um, it's mainly just like my face uh, and it's the upper part of my face. Cause as we discussed, I got a big beard. So yeah. like a lot of that gets protected, but um, so yeah, I usually wear like either long sleeves that have like little like thumb holes to cover my hands. And um, I don't know, I don't use tracking poles. And I think that like having your hands out there gets more exposure, but like down at your side, it's not as bad. That makes sense. So you have the sun to deal with on the trails out west you also have more snow did you deal with any like precarious snow situations so um i didn't have any like really like worrisome snow experiences um the first sign of snow i got was actually my last day in colorado coming into new mexico which is kind of crazy like we were (laughs) like we just got to get to new mexico like hurry up and get there because then you know we won't have to worry about the snow in colorado and then the day coming out of Colorado, we were going into uh, New Mexico and it started snowing on us. And fortunately, we got a hitch right as it was snowing. I got a hitch from an 18-wheeler, which was pretty awesome. Oh, so, nice. Uh, yeah, I checked that one off the thru-hiker bingo card. <laughs> I've never done that. That's pretty cool. Did you do a, a honk-off when he left you too? No, but he was like super cool. Like he was from Indiana and he'd never heard of like through hiking until like recently he just discovered the Appalachian trail and started reading books about it. And then I was like, well, I'm kind of doing that, but like on a different trail. And he didn't even know anything about the CDT. (laughs) He was just like, no, man, I just, you looked like a poor guy that needed a ride. So I gave you a ride and I was like, well, I've greatly appreciate it. Nice. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, the CDT is not terribly well known as far as like, you know, the AT and the the PCT, like compared to those trails. That's funny. Did you, so actually, so I have a question, like the alternates, how do you know about the alternates? How do you know where they are? How do you know, like what the main trail is and what's just an alternate? Like, how how do you know about that? Well, so like a couple of things I'd like to preface is the fact that like, this was a huge year for the CDT. Like they had exponential amounts like i was in a bubble for a while which was not something i was expecting on the cdt Hmm. um i think between like covid and people getting their trips delayed the year prior and then people that were planning this year to come out like it was just a hodgepodge of a lot of people um like um i got to meet uh twerk from hike that does hiker trash oh nice Um, yeah did you get in the issue? Are you going to be in the next Hiker Trash Vogue um, issue? <laughs> he took some pictures of all of us, but I don't know. Uh, but I, there, the night he, we had trail magic with him and stayed the night. And um, there was like 20 something CDT Sobos. Oh my gosh. At dude. one place. And like, that's to me like unheard of. Like, I don't know of another CDT like experience where there was that many Sobos in one area. That's pretty intense. Yeah. So I would say that like, there's definitely a lot more conversation because there's more people around. So like you hear about like such and such doing this route and that. Um, but, uh, a lot of hikers have still used gut hooker far out. And so there are some alternates on there. Um, unfortunately this year with a lot of the fires in Idaho, um, I did an alternate called the big sky alternate, which is, 
it, it's kind of like, I don't know. I've been, I've been told by other like previous year CDT hikers that it's kind of like a dirty word because it pretty much cuts off almost all of Idaho. I mean, you can do it a way where it cuts off all of Idaho. We went into Idaho for a day, but, um, it cuts off about three, 250, maybe some people say 200, some people say 300, I say 250 of the trail. Um, but I will say that was probably one of my favorite sections of trail because I did not know what to expect because there is no gut hook mapping for that section. So we all had to download Gaia and we were using somebody's uh, like GeoTrack from 2008 or 2006. So very dated. And um, it was like a super fun section because yes, it was very beautiful. We got to go over like the Spanish peaks um, and got some cool experiences there. But like, just like actually having like with a lot of the main parts of the trail, you can use gut hook. And so to actually have like the ability to like have to do something where no, it's not map and compass per se, because you're, you have fortunately Gaia, but like just having that ability to like, okay, I don't have all the like tools that are usually given to me on like, let's say the PCT or the AT. So I think that's, that was super unique and very fun. Yes. Do more route finding. Where in uh, Montana do you go? I live in Missoula, man. Where in Montana do you go through? Um, so we went through Augusta. That was one of the first, that's like the first town, I think, I believe. And then, uh, Helena. So we got to go through the capital. Okay. Nice. Um, I'm trying to think like, because so you're a little bit east of where Missoula is and then you probably cut down through Butte. Yeah. So we came through Butte and I believe Butte around Butte is where we took our alternate. So the CDT oh, okay. starts kind of going more towards the West coast from there. And we mm -hmm. take more of like a straight, so have you ever heard of like Whitehall? I remember that town. Um, so the Big Sky route actually takes you through Big Sky. So you actually come okay. out of the Spanish Peaks into, I believe the Spanish Peaks, yeah, into Big Sky. And then that was a super like weird experience because that's a very like bougie town. And like, yeah, yeah. It was a different like, and then, um, so yeah, like I got to have that experience and, um, you know, like, I didn't, there were people that did, uh, the like red, like the quote unquote red line, which if for people who don't know is following like the official CDT recommendation or recommended route. And some of them said they were fine. Some of them said that they got pulled off of that section, um, by like, uh, like police officers telling them like, Hey, you, you don't need to be here. It's too, it's unsafe. And then some people said they were able to do it, but it was just miserable with all the smoke. So like I heard a mixed bag of like everything, Yeah. but I'm happy with the decision I made. And I don't know, I plan on doing the CDT again. So um, I'll probably do that section next time. Nice, man. Yeah. I, I wanted this CDT, so I'll have to hit you up. I'm, uh, that's, I think that's the next big trail I want to do. Did you experience any like negative, do you have any bad animal encounters on the CDT? So, um, Another, with doing uh, Big Sky, another thing we did was in that section, we routed ourselves through the Tetons and we oh, did- Oh, nice, dude. Um, like a like quote unquote high route over the Tetons and like got to route find across. And it did was- Did you go like, into Jedediah Smith Wilderness area? Um, yeah. 
Sweet. I've done that. Area. Okay. Awesome. So you went through Yellowstone and then hit the Tetons right after. And then, yeah. And it was super cool. Like, and so up, um, uh, I was hiking in a group of like seven, maybe at that time. And we had gotten like miscellaneous hitches. Like a couple of people were going here. I got a solo hitch to get back to the trailhead. And so we all started at different times, but knew we were going to meet at a specific area um which was i like the name of this it was i think it was called like bitch creek i think <laughs> i believe that was the name um i don't know if we can say like cuss on your podcast oh dude I, I, but, I probably already said the f word so it's all right man and um so uh i since i had got a hitch by myself i started hiking to catch up and um like i'm up on top of this like beautiful beautiful area and like i'm trying to route my way down because there's no trail here and i'm trying to get back to the trail that where i'm supposed to be and um i'm on this like plateau and there's like where the rocks there are really sharp i'd never experienced anything like that because the so- snow melt i believe from like what i can devise from what i saw was like the snow melt like how it melted it made these rocks really sharp up on the plateau and I'm trying to figure out like a way to get down without like climbing down 10 or 12 feet. And then like, I'm like, you know, maybe not following perfect leave no trace guidelines, but I'm out in the middle of nowhere by myself. And I'm, I've got a little bluegrass playing on my phone out loud <laughs> and I'm walking and I look over and there's like a teenage grizzly just like looking me like 15, oh 20 yards gosh. away. And I'm just like, Hey, hey. like I, like I could <laughs> like start like, Hey bear, like, oh my God, (laughs) like, what do I do? And so I like immediately crawled out, like climbed down this mountain, like, like plateau and like, just start like hauling tail, like screaming, Hey bear. And, um, (laughs) I get bear follow you at all. No, fortunately, like, I think I scared him as much as he scared me, (laughs) but like being solo, like on a route, it was just a different experience, you know? And, um, so then, uh, um, I found I got cell service at the like about two miles later and I just like nobody was around. So I just like called my mom and I'm like, mom. And she's <laughs> like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I know this is kind of lame, but I just need somebody to talk to for a minute or two. Like, <laughs> um, she was like, what's going on? I was like, I just saw a grizzly, but it's all cool. Like, <laughs> uh, there's nothing around. I just wanted somebody to chat with for a second or two. Did you, do you carry bear spray with you? I did. Uh, I actually, um, uh, tossed it after the winds so once i hit the basin i got rid of it Um, yeah that makes sense but um and then the next thing we hit would be the wind river range and nice in the wind river range um in the circuited towers i fainted and had a seizure Um, oh my gosh dude i they they i talked to a doctor afterwards and he said from what he like I I didn't really want to go to the doctor because I was worried something was actually wrong with me. And I would rather, I know this sounds kind of morbid, but rather die a happy hiker than being told to get off trail. Um, yeah. But my mom convinced me to go to the doctor and he told me, he was like, look, man, we got a three hour wait, but I can have a like person to person conversation and tell you if this is what you experienced. Um, he was like, I personally believe coming from the East coast, he was like, you may have just had severe altitude sickness mixed in with some like dehydration or. Yeah, that makes sense. And um, he said, you probably stood up too fast and just 
he said it was just too much and um i was like okay you know like that's that's good enough for me i appreciate the like conversation and uh yeah, that was a wild experience. Well, and also for those that don't know, because I think there's a lot of people that are from the East Coast or from even out of the country, like, you know, you're pretty far out there. Like once you hit, I mean, Montana, you have like not much going on. And then once you hit like the Grand Tetons and start hitting south of that, like everything's so spread out, like you're pretty remote, um, you know, and it's hard to get out of those areas. Did, yeah, how did, I mean... It was, I will say, like, I carried an inReach with me and, or an inReach mini. And it was nice to be able to, like, text my family and just say, like, hey, this is something that has happened. I am okay now. And fortunately, I had, um, I started this trail with a friend that I'd met. He was a Nobo on the AT and he was with me at the time. And um, it was, it was good to have him there and, like, you know, just make sure I was okay. And um, we, uh, I was able to text. I will say, like, keep your inReach on. Like, I, I would only turn it on to, like, send out texts. And I definitely recommend, like, now being able to, like, keep it on more regularly because it allows it to calibrate better and, like, know, pinpoint your, like, location a little better. Um, because my parents, like, the texts were coming in, like, multiple texts while, like, I was trying to just send out one. And, um, so there was a little bit of confusion, but fortunately I got service the next day and was able to reach out and let everybody know that I was okay. So how did you self-rescue? Like, so you're, where are you when you have the seizure? What do you do after, or how did you know you had a seizure and what, uh, um, yeah, how did that all transpire? So we were in the Cirque and we were down at the lake in the Circuit of Towers, which is an alternate on the CDT. And, um, we had stopped at the water we were going to go over Jackass Pass and then camp on the other side. And um, so I the circus like, like, there's no, you, the only way to get out of it is to climb back up out of it. Yeah. To get back off the alternate. And yeah. um, so I like stand up and I remembered like looking at my phone, like, okay, we're going this way on trail and like trying to like look and see where like good campsites would be between here and there. And, um, I just remember like feeling really lightheaded and being like, Ooh, this is a weird feeling. And then I like, remember the feeling of falling, but then like the next thing I know, like I'm woke, like I'm waking up to my buddy, like flipping me on my back and like grabbing me and being like, are you okay? Are you okay? And he said, I sat up and was like, Hey, I'm fine. And then he said, as soon as I said, I'm fine. Like I passed out again and had another seizure. And, um, then we decided that that was a good place to camp for the night. So, uh, I just, uh, and then I rested and then the next morning I felt a lot better. And then I was definitely like for another week or so, kind of like I wanted hikers around me more during the day just to like make sure. But like after a week or so I was like, okay, this definitely feels like more of like a, a freak accident. I don't foresee this happening again, but now, anytime I feel like I'm going to elevation again, I'm probably going to be a little more like responsible about like hydration and like electrolytes and nutrition for sure. Yeah. I mean, that plays a huge role. Um, I guess just being a wilderness first responder, I know <laughs> very minimal about this stuff. And so, yeah. Um, yeah, man, being hydrated is very important, especially when you're at altitude and you have the sun blaring on you all day. And I will say the only other negative and it wasn't even really a negative animal encounter um i got charged by a moose in colorado which was pretty tight i'm not gonna lie like that where was, in colorado were you 
Um, I'm trying to think of what town I was going into. Um, maybe I, I, I think it was right after Steamboat. Um, I was on this, or no, I was on the CT at this point. I'm trying to think of where at. Maybe were you by like Breckenridge? Uh, by Copper. Yeah, I think I was near uh, Breck. I was coming into Breck maybe um, that morning, like before you know, like I think when you go, like I'm correct me if I'm wrong, but like coming into Breckenridge, you have a lot of exposed area right there before you drop down in, right? Or is that, um, yeah, what's you, the town? Ta- you do, and then what's the, sorry. No, what's the town before that? That's Winter Park. Okay. Did you, you know what I'm talking about? I think about? Winter Park might be off the CT, but... Uh, Maybe it is. It, okay. Um, but, but regardless, you're in that, I, I've seen a lot of moose in that area, so... Yeah. And uh, so, uh, anyways, I'm walking down trail and we'd already seen a couple deer that morning. So I just hear something like stirring the bushes and I'm like, oh, you know just a big deer. And then like, I see these big moose antlers pop up and I'm like, Oh, there's a moose. Cool. And then that moose looks at me and starts running towards me. And I'm like, Oh Oh God. God. Like, so I just start, like, I knew like everybody's told me like, if you see a moose and it charges you, like try to get a tree between you and the moose. And I'm like looking around and there's nothing but like brush. And I'm like, where do I go? (laughs) But, um, fortunately, um, the guy I was hiking with, uh, his name's face and, when um i when he saw what was going on he like noticed there was nothing else around so he started running towards the moose which is like i don't know if it's the best move um (laughs) but it definitely helped because he like started yelling at the moose and i think it like scared the moose off enough to like kind of diverge and go his own way and so forever grateful for that yeah that's scary man and also i know you said that you're thankful it wasn't a deer but this past year in SS Park, I would get continually charged by this one deer. And like, I've never been afraid of a deer before, but now I'm afraid of deer. It was a mule deer and she was trying to protect her fawns. And she was like, not, uh, I think Rex had scared one of her fawns. And so she had like a vendetta against us. And so every morning and night, she would literally charge us. And like, I get like, insane. I'm throwing rocks at the deer. I'm yelling. <laughs> I, I ran away from her and broke my key in the door trying to get away. Like, it was like a huge ordeal. And like, my uh, coworkers bought me like a plastic sword and, and a shield to <laughs> <laughs> scare away. But I started getting, I was so afraid. Like, on my one of my long distance hikes, I, uh, I saw a deer next to some people hiking and i stopped and literally asked them, i was like is this deer bothering you guys and they're like uh no <laughs> i was like, okay i just want to make sure this is not a problem deer because i'm <laughs> afraid of deer um yeah dude, so I, I mean even deer man can be uh scary <laughs> i heard that on the pct they can be quite aggressive because um they enjoy the salt in your urine and oh, interesting. Yeah. They, they want you to hurry up and pee so that you can get away and they can enjoy your salt, which is super gross. But like, Dang. um, yeah, I've, I've like talked to a couple of friends that done the PCT and, you know, I sleep in a tarp and we were talking, I was like, yeah, I just like roll over in the middle of the night and pee and then roll back over. It's great. And they were like, oh, I don't do that. And I'm like, why? And they're like, wait till you hike the PCT. You'll wake up with <laughs> a deer in your shelter with you. And I was like, oh, okay. Dang. Yeah, man. And that's not a sexual thing, right? I hope not. I really <laughs> hope not. Yeah, they just want the salt. They have very low salt in their diet, like sodium. I don't know. It's a interesting thing. Um, 
also low calcium too. So yeah. But um, go ahead. No, no, go on, man. What were you gonna say? No, I was just thinking. Um, so when we we got a hitch, um, around the winds, we were gifted antelope steaks by the guy who gave us a hitch and that was pretty cool and you were talking about like them having low calcium and from what he said i don't know if this is true i never did any research but antelope have hollow bones um to make them lighter and faster which is really cool um but the steak was really good it was really good you know meal on trail yeah antelope are really cool and they're actually technically not antelope like uh they're not in the antelope family they're in their own like little genus and like they evolve to run away from the american cheetah and now there's no predator. There's no American cheetah. And so like, there's no predator that can catch them. They're so fast. So it's just crazy, crazy that they're, they're still around. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it makes my uh, roommate, I uh, used to hunt him and I've had antelope a few times. It's, it's tasty stuff. Yeah, for sure. Did you guys cook that on the trail? Um, so we got them gifted to us on trail, um, actually right before the winds, but due to like fire restrictions, um, we didn't want to take them into the winds and with bears. So there was, oh, yeah. there's, a, there's a campground right before there. And, um, we kind of like went ahead and like where they allowed fires at, had a small fire and grilled them out pretty early before we even really started hiking just to like, um, save that and like, not be like breaking any like crazy rules. Cause you know, yeah. like last thing I want to do is start a forest fire and also like want to be respectful about those rules but then I also don't want to like hike into like really heavily populated bear country with raw meat. That's just not something that like super excites me. So we kind of like, we're like, thank you very much for the ride and the free raw meat. But um, <laughs> we have to figure out something to do with this like now because we're not about to start this with this. So um, yeah, like I don't, I, I assume there was other campers there with fire. So I assume it was safe there. I, but and i wasn't like super comfortable with it but it was like this is probably the safest thing to do with what we were given so we kind of just tried to pick the best alternative and so wyoming was that one of your because you've talked about a a fair amount was that one of your favorite states and trail no i think new mexico is the best i love new mexico i actually like am slowly making plans to probably move out there i i love oh really what did you love so much about new mexico um so like there's this really cool culture because you have like Spanish culture, native culture, and also like cowboy culture all like meshed into one. Also, like I'm a big podcast listener and I listen yeah. to a podcast on um Billy the Kid, who is oh, from nice. like he, he lived in New Mexico in Silver City, which is a town you go into on the CDT. And um that was just like super cool. And so like I wanted to live out my cowboy fantasies while I was out there. So I tried to cowboy every night that I could. And like, it was, it was great. Um, I really you tried to cowboy diverse. every night that you could. What, like, do, you, what do you mean? Cow- I meant cowboy, oh, cowboy camp. camp. Cowboy camp. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. So, um, you know, I was the cowboy in sandals is what I would tell myself. <laughs> um, and so, uh, yeah, like I, there's these beautiful canyons. The Gila is amazing. The Gila wilderness in New Mexico is so beautiful and so much fun. Um, and it's and it's like a she, desert when you're in the Gila. No, the Gila is actually like um, it's a gorge. Or um, the best thing I can describe it to is like uh, I have a local like gorge that I go backpacking in, and it felt very much like that. You're you're crossing like something like. Um, 
200 or around 200 water crossings. Um, oh, wow. And it's, it's very luscious, very rich, like area with a lot of like wildlife. It's super beautiful, but that's, that's really the thing I loved about New Mexico is you go from like, <clears throat> excuse me, you go from like rich areas full of wildlife to like desolate desert and, um, you know, these canyons. And it's just like, um, it's kind of got like a mixed bag of a little bit of everything. Um, I really liked the, how dry and warm it was for the most part. Um, I will say I had some of my coldest nights in New Mexico, but <clears throat> for the most part, it was a really pleasant experience. And the people there were just so friendly. Oh gosh. So friendly. Nice. Did you ever experience, like, how was the experience as far as trail towns go? Did you feel like the trail dominated the towns or was it kind of like an afterthought in a lot of places? So like, I thought that the CD where the CDT intersected with the CT, that would be the case. But other than a few smaller towns, um, in that section, you're going into like, you know, we discussed Breckenridge and copper and places like that. And, you know, those places are just so big to begin with that. Like, you're just another person. Um, Mm -hmm. you're just another tourist, honestly. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way. They were very friendly places. It just, it's not like if, if you're an AT hiker and you have that experience of like the trail is the town, you know, like it's nothing like that for the most part, but overall I will say like some of the best people in the world, I think live out there because just like every state there was super friendly people and very caring people willing to give rides and you know just um i i had a great like i don't think i had really any super negative experience with like hitches or anything like that it was all great um for the most part yeah and so yeah that's that's good to hear and i i heard that sometimes the hitches can be pretty far away did you have any issues with that or notice that like the hitches were kind of long hitches so uh I have a magic hitchhiking song and it just okay, it let's wonders get, every time. What's what's the hitchhiking song? Um Get Down On It by Cool and the Gang, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And uh I don't know why, but it just puts me in a good mood and I'll play that song two or three times and start dancing with my thumb up. I think that's the big thing, is like you just gotta oh, yeah. like pre- present yourself as like a happy and like non-threatening person that really needs a ride and um you know, I don't know. I I just think it like has an aura to it and it makes you feel good. And like that, like influences like people's like, or like perception on who you are and like is willing to give you a ride. So I say maybe not get down on it to everybody's song, but find that song that makes you like super happy and just kind of like want to dance a little bit. And that's, that's a good hitchhiking song. Oh, I completely agree. Like I always have a song in my head that I'm kind of bobbing my head to. I'm trying to smile a little bit, you know, maybe throw a few dance moves in. I just think like that's, that has helped me as well. Or, you know, that's the only thing I've ever done. So I don't, <laughs> maybe for me, it'd be better if I didn't throw the dance move in, but uh, it's, I've never had an issue. It's better when you get like three or four hikers dancing with you too. Then it's yeah. real fun. Like have three or four, like throwing out thumbs while dancing. It's a great experience. These guys are a great time. I want to, join this i want to see i want what these stinky saying. stinky men <laughs> who are dancing on the side of the road in my car <laughs> that's good though that's good you didn't run any issues did you have any issues with uh like water sources at all um or huge water um, carries 
you know, they talked about like New Mexico being like something like to worry about. And yeah. I didn't have really any issues with that. Um, I, I carried, I had two water, two, um, one liter water bottles, just cheap water bottles. And then I had a bladder that sometimes I would fill up at night, but, um, I didn't filter for most of the trip. So like, I would just like dip in and if it was like a cow tank, I'd maybe put a little bit of bleach in it and I would kind of just go on and I didn't, I didn't experience any like waterborne illnesses and I didn't have too many long carries, or at least I didn't think they were super long. I mean, by that point on the trail, like to get to New Mexico, um, you know, you've already walked so much and you've, you've got full blown, really good hiker legs. So like, you know, if it was a 15 to 20 mile carry, you know, at the beginning of a trail that may be a, a lot different than in, you know, full blown hiker mode. You're like, Oh, okay. I, I can average three and a half, four miles an hour and be there in X amount of time, ration yeah. out my water. And then, but I'm a big fan of cameling water so like when i get to a water source i try to drink quite a bit i know some people can't do that but like i try to drink one to two liters while i'm at a source no i do too and i don't really know physiologically like how good that is like how much water we're actually able to to hold in our system but i do the same like i figure all right i can go seven miles per like at least one liter usually i can go a little bit more but i try to average it out that way and so drink a liter then I have, I carry one liter and then I know I'm good for at least 14 miles to the next water source. Maybe I'll carry right. if, if that point, if I have more than that, I'll carry two liters. Cause then I'll, and the next seven miles or drink another liter and then the next seven miles, another liter. And then you got 21 miles by the time you get to the next uh, water source. That's kind of how I've been, a, how I do. I don't know. It's just an arbitrary number, seven miles, but it's just kind of how I've always done it. Yeah. I like to say like between three and four miles, I drink a half liter and yeah. then like, if I can get 14 miles, like you were saying, and then I'm out of water, then like, I know I probably got another three or four without water that I can make. And then I'll try to save, you know, just a little spit of water just in case, like I get a cough yeah. or really need some water. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know how smart that is. But I don't know how smart it is. Yeah. I don't, if you're listening to this, do not take our recommendation, but I no. will say that, uh, you know, it has worked for me at least. Yeah, when I'm guiding a trip, I never say that. But uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's worked for me as as well. But I don't know how safe that really is. And but it also depends on like you know it's situational too. It depends on like the day, how hot it is, what sort of terrain you're going over, and all that stuff. Yeah, and how well you feel personally hydrated. I mean, like, yeah, I think that's important too. Like, if if you're not hydrating in the like, if you get to a source in the afternoon, you're able to hydrate well. Like, I think that is key. Like, I know some people, they'll just drink a little bit and then go to bed and then they have to struggle making sure they're hydrated the rest of the day. But I try to like make sure at nights and in the mornings, I'm really good and hydrated before I leave camp just because that's important. Yeah, it's smart. So somebody who wants to do the CDT and they're like wondering what sort of layering system, what sort of like sleeping bag to bring, what were you using and like, what did you get by with? I know like um, you're probably going the ultralight way, but at least they know this is, this is a minimum. Um, so I do not recommend what I carry to probably like, I would recommend it to somebody with experience and that knows their own, like, but I definitely like probably would like to like say first and foremost, like if you're doing the CDT, 
maybe not listen to me because <laughs> I don't know. I, I think I like I pushed some boundaries. Um, so um, I carried a synthetic puffy coat made by Enlightened Equipment. I really enjoyed it. Um, What's that called? The Torrid? Yeah, and I just got the stock one. I think it weighs like around eight ounces and it's it's sweet. Like I, I like it because it's a synthetic, so I can sweat in it and hike in it. Um and for I those have, of that don't know too, synthetic is uh you worry about with down getting wet, it doesn't insulate you. It's synthetic, it tends to be more durable and it will still insulate you when it's wet. So um synthetic puffy coat and then a raincoat. Um and that was all of the upper warm layers that I had. And then I carried a pair of lightweight wind pants. And um, my quilt was a 30 degree quilt from Enlightened Equipment as well. And there, if you look on my Instagram, there is a picture that Enlightened Equipment reposted of me sleeping in New Mexico with frost all over my quilt. <laughs> um, just like I woke up and there was I woke up near a water source and I was like, ah, it'll be fine. I woke up and my entire quilt was covered in frost and it had gotten down to like in the twenties. But fortunately I'm an extremely warm sleeper and I just, I never experienced like any real issues with the cold. Um, yeah. Thankfully. Nice, man. That's pretty light. And, uh, now it sounds like you're making your own equipment. Was there anything that you made, um, your own, you mentioned the hat, but did you make any of your own equipment for the CDT? Um, so I started the trail with a mountain laurel designs burn and it doesn't have any shoulder pockets. So I like sewed a shoulder pocket and, um, you know, like I, like, I think I'm, I'm a real gear nerd. So like I learned how to like hem certain clothes to like make them fit me properly, which is nice, but also to like make them wider essentially. Um, I think I finished the PC or the CDT with, uh, like 5.2 pounds of gear. Oh man. So, yeah. Um, I was playing with that a lot. Um, but this year for the PCT, a fun goal of mine is to at least start the trail and hopefully finish if God willing, uh, with four pounds of gear. My, I have it down to about 4.1 pounds right now or 4.01 pounds. So dang man. Um, yeah, I've been playing a lot. <laughs> That's lighter than most people's day pack. <laughs> yeah i mean um a i think it's really important to know your body like i like i fully acknowledge that not everyone can do that um and the other thing is is i think that you can you can purchase the exact same gear as me and think that you're going to be comfortable and you may be comfortable but i also have like grown up in the outdoors backpacking since i was very young so there's certain things that I like, like knowledge. And I think that knowledge is really important to have as well, along with the gear and like how to like, you know, I told my hiking partner for most of the CDT knew well that I had a 30 degree quilt. And if I woke up and I was cold, then I wasn't going to like sit there and be miserable. I was going to pack up my gear at two in the morning and start walking. Fortunately that never happened, but you know, that conversation was made and that's a choice that I made. And if it, if it came to it, then I would have done it. And so like, I think that's important, like for people to realize like, yeah, it sounds like super like fun or maybe even sounds crazy, but like there are some like drawbacks to making those choices as well. And like, I never want to like make 
decisions on stuff that's going to put me in harm's way, other hikers in harm's way, or first responders that maybe need to come out there for other people. Like I want to be as responsible and ethically ethical as possible with uh, my gear choices. So I am pushing some boundaries, but I, I definitely think like I, I'm still not going to leave the house without like an in-reach device. I think that's very yeah. important to have. Um, you know, I know that I'm a warm backpacker, so I can get away with like skimping on some layering and stuff like that. But for the most part, I try to be like still like ethically smart about what I'm doing because I don't want anybody else to be put in danger for something that I've chose to do. Yeah, I know a big thing about that is like figuring out how versatile your gear is. So if you get in some sort of survival situation, all right, what can what can I make a splint with? Like, how can I use each piece of my gear to get me out of the situation to self-rescue? I think that's important to think about is like self-rescuing so I can get to safety and like, what do I know? To, and if someone's carrying a big first aid kit and they don't know how to use half the stuff, then when the emergency comes and you don't know how to use half the stuff, that's not the time to start learning to use half that stuff. Exactly. Like you need to know how to use your gear before you head out. So just because you have a big first aid kit, like doesn't mean you're necessarily safer. It just means you have a bigger first aid kit and then you're stressed in a life or death situation. You're stressed out. Don't think that you can learn something in that sort of situation. Like go out knowing how to use each and every uh, piece of your gear. Yeah. Like I said, fortunately I grew up in scouts and like that was heavily influenced as a kid. My yeah. scout master was a um, outward bound instructor for a number of years. So, um, I was taught a lot of like basic and then like medium, like first aid and like, you know, response to like injury in the outdoors. And like, I, I definitely consider those things when going out there. I don't want to, like I said, that to me, that's the big thing. I don't want to put myself in harm's way, but I mainly don't, I really don't want, you know, there's, there's people that like will come out there and rescue you, but like, I don't want to have to call them. I don't want to have to like put them in a situation where they need to like be putting their own life at risk for me and a foolish decision I've made to like have a number on a, a weight in a pack. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I just think that's really important and something I try to stress. So this time around, you make you have your own pack that you made yourself. Yeah, um, I sewed a pack. It's a twenty-eight liter pack that weighs somewhere around seven point four ounces, seven point five ounces. Um, I'm playing with some really specific fabrics. Uh, a friend of mine taught me how to sew, and it's kind of just taken off from there. I've made probably twenty packs by now, and um, I've finally got like a design that I'm happy with. And, um, I've really enjoyed that. Um, and it's something I look forward to continuing doing. And, um, I've also made some stuff like, um, a food bag that was made out of a really lightweight mesh. And that's been really cool because, um, so I think this is really cool. It's a food bag that's made out of mesh. And then if you have a really bad bug problem, I sewed the straps on the food bag to be long enough to go up underneath your arms so then you could dump all the remnants of your food into your pack and just like kind of free float it for a little bit and then put the mesh head net on over your head. So it's a food bag and a bug net all in one. Oh, I very thought. cool. I don't know. Like, you know, I don't know if it's been done before, but I just thought it was really like a fun idea, I guess. And it was just something else I could make. And I, I think it's really cool to like make something with your own two hands and then see how practical it is in the outdoors. It's really fun. Yeah. Do you have thoughts about starting your own 
gear company or are you just kind of doing this for yourself? Um, you know, like it's, you know, that would be really cool. And that would be an awesome option. Uh, the big thing for me is, um, the community's done so much for me, the backpacking community. And so if, if I was to ever do anything like that, I want to make sure that I'm giving back in a way that is beneficial to the community. It's not me just trying to like make a buck so I can go hike more. It's I'm trying to like either or help inspire others or help grow the community in a way that'll get more people outdoors and more involved. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, so for somebody who wants to, I'm sorry, where you keep going? I was just going to say that like, so I think I just want to be more tactful about how, if I was to do something like that, I want to be tactful and, you know, pre-plan and think about it a little bit before I was to like jump into something like that. And I'm not saying that there's anybody doing that. I just think like that's something that's very important to me. And like, yeah, um, I cherish this community. So it's very important. Yeah. The spirit of the trail, man, it's, it's very much alive. For somebody who wants to like, you know, start making their own gear, like what sort of like initial costs do you have and like how do they go about doing that? So fortunately, um my mom has a sewing machine she's never used. Uh <laughs> nice. and so I like kind of picked it up. Um, I talked to a friend, I went down and met up with him for a little bit, and he showed me how to like thread it and kind of get it started. Um, and then I started watching like YouTube videos. Um, reading a lot about like um, ripstop by the rolls who I order fabric from, which is mm-hmm. actually local here in North Carolina, which is pretty cool. Um, and they have a lot of really good articles and like a lot of like, if, if you don't want to design your own pack, you can buy templates from them and um, buy fabric and sew pieces of gear. And it's um, a, a way to get like, it, it is cheaper once you learn how to sew because um, you can make these pieces of gear for a lot less than you probably could buy it. And you also get this like extra bit of like fun involved because you're like working towards something that you might not be able to do right now, but you will eventually be able to do. So that's kind of fun. Um, and I don't know, I just, I take a lot of like, it's, it's, it's kind of like a lot of pride to say, you know, yeah, I created that. Um, so I definitely <laughs> um, recommend checking out like, ripped up by the roll or um dutchware gear they make some really good um fabrics and i think they have some articles too yeah i've heard of dutchware i know ripped because bubbles who i hiked with she works for them and then um somebody else i follow works for ripped by the roll but I'm, I'm blanking on his name right now but yeah yeah i think bubbles actually does part of ripped they have their own podcast and i think she's yeah one of the, she does that's pretty cool yeah yeah, yeah yeah i've been talking to about getting her on the podcast here but yeah she does do the podcast and she's also i think does their uh, social media and stuff nice yeah um so they've been super helpful like anytime i've had questions about anything they've been very timely i definitely recommend checking them out nice so are you have you been, like made your own sleeping bag too um i don't know if i'm ever gonna make my or own quilt. sleeping bag yeah um or quilt i just um, with sewing baffles, there's a lot of different theories and beliefs um, on like vertical ba- baffles versus horizontal baffles. And um, it's it's a very, honestly, it's a very technical thing. I, I feel like that a lot of this stuff, when you look at it, it's like, wow, that's super technical. But I think it's just very intimidating to me. And um, 
I don't know. I'm just not like, I don't, yeah. I don't feel the same passion as I do with packs to learn how to make them. So if, if one day I'm like, you know what, I think I can make one of those, maybe I'll try. But, um, for now, like I, I got a really good quilt and I'm going to keep rocking it for a while. Hell yeah, dude. So I was just interviewing somebody, uh, and we were talking about like being content with like what we've done and like at what point are we content with like the trails that we've hiked or the experience we had do you ever feel like you're gonna be content like where you're not feeling like you have to hike the next trail or do you think even after the pct you're like i gotta keep moving i gotta keep do you have another trail after the pct already that you think you gotta hike um so it's kind of a tough question so for me like i'm always full of energy like this yeah. week I'm on track to run 70 miles this week after work every day I run. And, um, I just, I'm always full of energy and, you know, this lifestyle has brought me so much joy and pleasure that like, I, I, if, if I can aff- afford not just like physically, like the monetary value or uh, like mo- monetarily afford to do other hikes, I would love to. And, um, also, you know, like, if I can like emotionally do it, um, I think that's really important. You know, there's other aspects like, yeah, you know, this, if I do complete the PCT this year, I've done all three of the triple crown trails, which we can go into that at some point. And I don't know. I, I think the title thing's kind of weird, but, um, you know, I've done all three in back to back to back years. Um, and people are like, that's, that's really crazy. That's impressive or whatever. They've said that to me. And I just like, yeah, it is cool on trail, but then like there's things in your normal or quote unquote normal life that you are giving up to do that. So like, I try to like let people know, like there, there is some, like in some ways people look at it as very glamorous, but then, you know, like it's very hard to like keep a normal relationship with a partner. It's very hard to find a job that's understanding of you wanting to leave for three to four months of a year. So, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't really have any like ties to the world, I guess. I don't have a partner. Um, I, I paid for my college and, um, so I don't really have any accrued debt. So, um, I like, honestly, like, uh, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think eventually the Eastern continental is something that's I've like been setting my sights on for a while. Yeah. I would love um, to do that trail. Or the uh, North Country Trail. I don't know why the North Country Trail speaks to me so much. I haven't really done a lot of research into it. I think it's just like, I've seen quite a few people recently do the ECT. I've seen quite a few people recently do like a calendar triple crown. And all those things are very impressive feats. But like, I just, I I don't know. I like like to do like my own thing. And um, I don't see a lot of people on the North Country Trail. So like, I I don't know why that, I think that's why that speaks to me so much. No, it makes sense. I know I'm I'm in the same boat as life. I want to be original. And like, part of that is like, I want people to through hike, but then selfishly, I don't want people to through hike because it's like, it's like, man, I want to be, you know, I don't want there to be that many people out there doing the same thing or it doesn't feel as special, but that's, I mean, at the end of the day, that's like me and my ego. Um, but yeah, I think it's tough. Like you want to break barriers. Um, but it's tough to do that when everyone else is feel, or you feel like everybody else is doing it too. Um, I don't know if it's just that, or it's just like, um, 
you know, there's like plenty of media that has been generated about those trials. And so true. Like, yeah. Um, I, I, I just like the idea of like kind of going into something blind. I mean, that was what really attracted me to the CDT over the PCT first was just that like, you know, there was less people that did it. Um, there's less like information per se on it. And so like, just kind of having like that, like, um, that opportunity to do something like that's a little different. And I don't know, I just really enjoy that. And like, kind of not knowing what to expect is really like exciting yeah. for me. So like but, the more um, information is out there on trail, the more there's less surprises. Um, for sure. Kind of, like, yeah, I think like the Arizona trail is really hot right now and it looks, and I mean hot as in like very popular. And, <laughs> it's also um, very hot. I'm sure it is also <laughs> very, very warm. Um, but, um, you know, that's a trail that like really looks awesome, but like, I think I want it to like die, die down a little bit before I go hike it just because it seems like a very popular trail and there's no hate to, you know, the Arizona trail association or anything like that. Like I just, I want it to like mellow out a little bit before I go hike it. But, um, uh, the PNT looks crazy awesome. And that seems like a trail. Not a lot of people are doing. And, um, yeah, like I've seen videos of some of my friends that have sent me, um, of them doing the the PNT and like, they're just bushwhacking for hours. And I know that sounds horrible for a lot of people, but for me, I don't know. I feel like that would be a lot of fun and just kind of like have this di totally different like exploration. Would you ever want to try the great Western loop? Um, I think eventually, you know, talk, going back to what you were talking about with like, will I ever feel like it's enough? Um, I don't know if I feel like eventually I'd like to like, try different things so yeah um instead of just like hiking like i met a lot of bike packers on the cdt because you can bike the entire divide which is super cool and um so like i've walked a lot of times down but i think it'd be cool to bike across america that would be really cool um i've also looked at like the source to sea um the paddle route um from the source of the mississippi down to the sea that sounds like something yeah. i've i've I don't know, just like kind of changing it up. But um, to answer your question, I guess I'm just full of energy all the time. So, yeah. like, and I don't have any like ties to anything. So, um, I guess while I'm young and I don't have anything holding me back, why not just keep exploring and having adventures and creating memories? Because to me, that's what's important. Um, I would agree, man. Memories are very important. Yeah, I was just in the last podcast. There's a quote that uh, was in the guy's uh, documentary, and it was, "Die with memories, not dreams." Um, That's good. I like yeah. that. Yeah, man. It's 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 really inspiring. And actually, just going off of gut hooks, I've noticed that or now far out. Um, far out. They've they've uh, posted a number of like uh, kayaking trails or canoeing like uh, really i haven't seen that that's super cool yeah man i thought that was pretty cool what do you what do you feel about the this is kind of off topic with the the name change the far out name change from gut hook um you know like a business has got to do what it's got to do to yeah keep making money and you know like that's that's their thing like i'm still going to use it like and yeah so i do think like far out and like i will say the only thing that was frustrating was like the app change color during the middle of my hike because like you know you're just so used to clicking it and then like yeah. 
that was kind of strange. But other than that, like it was cool. Like people got really upset, but it didn't affect my like it it all worked the same. So I don't see there being like a real issue, just a name change. I mean. No, I agree with you. And for those of you that's like, you've heard Gut Hugs and mentioned this podcast, it's now called Far Out Guides. Um, and they have a little bit of a logo change and color change. And so it's the same app, but I think they're trying to branch out more into like, yeah, now they're doing like the canoe stuff and they don't want to be like just hiking, I think, as that was the idea. Which like in that aspect, I fully support because like not everybody enjoys hiking, but wants to get outdoors. And so like for there to have that accessibility, I think that's like, super cool and you know um i'm all about that yeah well what are you looking forward to most about the pct um so i'm going south i'm kind of i will say the only thing i'm kind of worried about is fire season out west that's something that's definitely yeah. on my nerves but i've set a pretty ambitious goal for this year i don't know if i'm going to achieve it so i don't know if i should say it but um i'm going to try to do the pct in 90 days nice um, man so it's like 29.7 maybe miles a day uh for 90 days straight and um i don't know I, i'm just like i i like i just want to see what it's like to try a different pace i guess um and i'm hoping that with hiking with a little bit of speed i can kind of like get out there and skirt around those fires before anything like you know detrimental to my hike happens yeah no for sure i know that's that's like the tough thing and i was actually just interviewing um the pcta's uh, visitor use management uh director and he was like saying how like that's the biggest instead of like overuse like the at is like worried about like they're not even focused on overuse as much as they are the fires now they're just like so wow. worried about the fires inhibiting um a through hike and they're like wondering like in the future is a through hike even going to be possible um so now is the time to, to hike the PCT. They're just yeah, worried about the future. I will future. say, like, if 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 they're that worried about the future and you're considering hiking one of the Triple Crown trails, maybe hop on the PCT. It's, <laughs> it looks like it's struggling a little bit, and so, uh, but uh, you know, uh, yeah, I, I I'm excited about that. I've never been out like I've been to California once when I was real real young, so I've never really been on the West Coast much. So. I'm like excited. I've also met some really cool people in the CDT that live out West and, you know, like they were, they were very adamant about like connecting when I got out there and stuff. So that would be like a really fun experience too, just to like see all of them once again. And, um, yeah. And I'm excited to do part of the JMT. Like I, I hear that trail's epic. Um, so my, uh, my grandmother, uh, remarried a guy and, um, he's john Muir's great great nephew so oh really like, interesting yeah so like i don't know i think that'd be kind of cool to like talk to him about stuff and you know go hike the jmt i think that's kind of neat so i was just talking about sure. the transcendentalist man there what inspired me to you know pursue uh whatever a life in the outdoors um education and just living out there um yeah john Muir's really cool yeah so, um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I, I think, and, uh, I'm just, I'm, I don't know. I miss trail. I always miss trail. <laughs> like I said, if, uh, the CDT was awesome, but the, the hardest part for me is knowing that it had to be done or like finished. And if you'd have gave me five grand and told me to turn around and start walking the other way, I probably would have done it and not even thought twice because I just, I really enjoy being out there. 
what do you enjoy so much about being out on trail? So for somebody who doesn't understand, it just feels like, well, maybe I want to be home or I'm going to be tired. Like what, what is it that drives you to stay on trail? Um, I don't know. I think a lot of it is just like that sheer unadulterated freedom. Like, uh, I just, you get to wake up when you want to, you can hike as long as you want to, you can sleep when you want to, um, you can eat what you want to, which is yeah. amazing. Let me tell you all the honey buns I consumed this year. Um, yeah. So uh, I just, I really appreciate the 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 free the freedom aspect that I don't think that a lot of people truly get to experience outside of hiking. Like I'm sure there are aspects, but none come to my mind right now where you get to experience those things. But like, I don't know. It's just it's such a like beautiful experience to immerse yourself in nature and feel so humble walking across something that's so big and you feel just so small and you you just get to like just be in the moment and like i think with technology and how it's always growing and advancing you really don't get to just be in the moment and out there it's you're always just in the moment man. and it's it's something that's super special and i, I like you said, you know, like a part of you wants people to get in the outdoors and part of you is like, gets a little selfish about it, but I, no matter what they do, whether it's in the outdoors or not, I think like that being in the moment is so important and just like being enamored with whatever it is you're doing and being completely fulfilled, your cup just so full. That's something that's super like validating and like a beautiful experience, no matter what it is that you do. Yeah, that's actually, it's funny because like my podcast I just released today was about that. It's like, all we have is the present moment. Like the, I was going in about stoicism. I don't know if you're familiar with the Stoics, but it's just like this ancient philosophy, like the ancient, uh, I think it's like Romans or Greeks. But um, anyways, they basically say like, you don't have the past. You don't have the future. All you truly have is the present. And so we shouldn't fear what we do not have. And so we're all in this equal playing field. We can all only give as much as we can in the present moment. And so that is something that's so special about the trail is like, you can really, you really get a chance to, to see that and feel that because you're physically walking. Um, that's like what you're doing. Yeah. And like, I think you, you know, I've talked to people and they're like, I love to travel and travel in any aspect is awesome but i really think there's just something about by foot or by bike or by paddle where you you only can move as fast as you want like physically can move that makes it just feel so the area feels so large and vast and you so small and that like that like ability to be so humbled and in the moment um you know like for me personally and to those who subscribe to whatever they believe is totally fine, but I'm a man of faith and I just, I feel very, very in awe and grateful for what it is that is going around me. And um, I think that the CDT, the one thing it gave me the most of was gratefulness, just being grateful for the ability to hike grateful that honestly, I don't think there was a single day where like I was super bummed out or just wanted the trail to be over just grateful that i was given the opportunity to be out there and um that was that was really cool to me and i think i've carried that 
off trail with me and just being grateful for all the moments that I have with the people around me. And that's been awesome. It seems like you value the gratitude the trail allows you to feel and, and, the, and the freedom. Is there any other lessons that you feel like you're taking from the trail and trying to implement in like maybe off trail life? Um, I think one of the most important things the trail has given me over the past two years is just like things are only difficult in the moment, if that makes any kind of sense. Like, yeah. Um, so, you know, it may be, you know, you may be having a, like we were talking about earlier, longer water carry, and that's going to be difficult, but eventually you will get to a water source. Eventually you'll get to an area with a lot of water and not have to worry about that. You may have a hunger in your stomach that just won't quit no matter how much food you put in it. But eventually there will be a town with a Taco Bell and you can fill yourself full of gnarly, gnarly burritos all afternoon. And so like, you know, I'm like oversimplifying it and making it kind of funny, but like, there's just like that, like something that was instilled in me is like, things are a lot, most things are only temporary and difficulty can a lot of times just be for a second. And if you can just look past that second, then you will, you will be there and you will, I don't know, it just, you'll be, you know, it, it's not, it's not something that's all like there's differences between things that are temporary and things that are superficial in my opinion. And once you can acknowledge that some things are just superficial, then you can really learn to grow and move past them. And it's a really awesome experience. And that's like a really profound thing that you're saying. It's something that was actually, I didn't, I just talked about it in the last podcast. And so I'll talk this one again, but um, uh, it's going to be the Tao in the Tao Te Ching. There's a quote that says the sage confronts difficulties so they never experience difficulties. And so, I mean, essentially, as you're saying, you know, because you're confronting that moment, you're never truly like experiencing that difficulty because if you don't confront it, it's just waiting for you. Um, yeah, I like definitely got like my mantra since getting on and off the CDT has forever been changed to, um, wanting striving to be comfortable with being uncomfortable yeah and i think like what you were saying really corresponds with that like um you know i'm not a dancer but you know i'll go out and dance i guess i'll <laughs> you know i'm not i'm not like i'm not a pack maker but i learned how to make a pack like i'm i'm not like i'm not all these things but like once you like understand that like nobody truly is any of anything then like you just you like you realize that like that un, like being comfortable and being stagnant doesn't evolutionize any like growth or like learning or attaining any new knowledge so like i really think like being uncomfortable means that like in those uncomfortable moments that's when you learn the most and yeah. you know whether that's a spiritual learning whether that is a like physical adaptation, whatever it is, like it's really something um, special. So like, I like apply that to my backpacking. I apply that to my day-to-day -day life. You know, this is uncomfortable, but we can learn to grow with this and we can learn to like evolve with this. And um, that's really important to me. Yeah, man, that really does ring true. It's like, if you strip back your ego and strip back everything, at the end of the day, we're just, 
we're people and we have all these like like all these options or opportunities that we can pursue or at least try to pursue. We have all these like different pathways that we can take. Absolutely. Yeah, man. Well, so do you know, like, are you going to be going off on the PCT with anybody? Cause it sounded like, I know you started the CDT or you were going to start the CDT with somebody and maybe that fell through. Um, are you starting the PCT with somebody or are you just going out alone? Um, so as of right now, it's just me. Uh, and I'm, like I said, I'm planning on doing it in 90 days. So like, I like, it would take a real special person to want to spend <laughs> 90 days doing 29 miles a day. Yeah. With, uh, and so like, I, I'm kind of just looking at it as, you know, in the CDT, I had a very large bubble around me for some time. And I was grateful for that. Um, at the time I, I initially was kind of disappointed because I was like, this isn't what I came out here for, but you know, I learned on that, on the CDT to, um, take what the trail has given you, not what you want. And I think that's like really important. You know, sometimes the trail gives you a bunch of people's, um, like the CDT did, or like for the AT for me going Sobo during COVID, I didn't see anybody for thousands of, or over a thousand miles. And so like having, you know, I didn't want that on the AT, but that's what I got. I didn't want that on the CDT, but that's what I got. So you know, if, if somebody comes along and wants to hike with me, they're more than welcome to, um, if nobody does, you know, that's okay too. I've just learned to like take what the trail is giving me and appreciate that. And then just kind of roll with whatever that is. Nice, man. Yeah, that's, that's very true. Well, I appreciate you like speaking with me. It's been a great conversation as always. Um, before we go, man, is there, is there anything that you, feel the need to say or feel like inspired or something that you like haven't got off your chest that you want to say? Um, I just think, uh, going back, I don't, I don't know. I've just been thinking about this the whole time, which is, you know, are you ever going to be satisfied with a trail or a trip? But then yeah. I, I saw a post recently. I can't remember who posted it, but it said like, thank you, Instagram for, um, after completing a through hike, still not feeling validated as a through hiker and, um, or validated as a hiker because you see yeah. all these other people doing more and more trips. Yeah. And like, um, you know, I, I deal with a lot of like imposter syndrome myself. So like seeing that, like I get that and I get like feeling like, oh man, you know, like I gotta do this trail next and this trail. And, um, you don't have to like mm -hmm. do what makes you happy you don't, that validation that you're seeking, you know, like I'm sure everybody sees, or there's plenty of people that see you personally and are like, man, I wish I was living his life or her life. And I think like, that's so important to understand that like, you don't, you don't need to do things for validation. You need to do things because they're what make you happy. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I just think that's important. I choose to hike these trails, not because I seek an outward validation from other people or, you know, I, I, I choose to hike these trails because it's something that calls to me in my heart and soul. And it's something that I'm passionate about. And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I just want people to know, like you are real hikers. You are great people. <laughs> like whatever, if it's five miles, it's fits thousands of miles. Like you're great people. And like, you're you're a quote-unquote real hiker because none of us are real hikers so <laughs> um <laughs> uh i don't know like 
I don't know if that makes any sense, but I just think that like, that's important. It's a message I like to convey to people is like, it doesn't matter. Like, you know, um, what, what, what calls to you is what you should do and stay true to that. I think that's incredibly important right now. And I think it's like, I think that like, I'm thankful and also impressed that you are doing things based off of your own validation because you're a true adventurer and you're just doing things not because Instagram tells you, well, I'm not keeping up with uh, the Joneses here. I got to do this next through hike. Um, Here you are doing it just to accomplish your own goals. Yeah. It's like, I'm not keeping up with that Trek vlogger. What am I doing? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's, it's just like, I don't know. I just, I want to convey that because like, I feel that way when I see other people on Instagram, I'm like, man, they're real. And then like, I'm like, wait a minute. Like, (laughs) <laughs> who, who they're no like they're just somebody else hiking a trail like in reality and so you know that doesn't like do what calls to your heart not what what you're maybe envious about or want that same validation that you believe that they are receiving um um but yeah man other than that like i just like thoroughly recommend people getting out there and of course leave practice proper leave no trace oh my gosh please did you see that the ATC is putting out a leave no trace certification? Like actually OD from the hiker yearbook just did um, just completed his, but I talked to the visitor use management director of the ATC as well. And that's a big thing that they're trying to put forward is this LNT certification that um, hikers or anybody can do. You know, like um, the PCT, uh, when you apply for their permit, they have things that you can read through and yeah. look at their LNT. And um the AT has things on their website as well. I just honestly, like, I would really like to see, like, um, when I went out to New Mexico with scouts at, um, Philmont scout ranch, which is a backpacking ranch out in New Mexico. Um, we actually had to take like a class and I don't care if that class is like online or something, but like one that like actually makes you at least sit through the video and you can't fast forward it. And then like are required to like present that, permit somewhere along the trail i don't know why but like i just think like with as much technology as we have today why can't we like make a mandated lnt and it it, like shouldn't be super hard to get or anything like that but just something where people are talking more about proper leave no trace with because as you've seen as i've seen with covid and more people getting outside that really is awesome and excites me but i i just want them to like take care of this resource because it's extremely important to me. And uh, believe it or not, Colorado was like the worst place. I saw people just like throwing out trash or um, like human or animal feces, just like all over the place, beautiful, beautiful toilet paper blossoms everywhere. Um, You know? So yeah, LNT, please. I beg you. I agree with you, man. You got to listen to this podcast episode I just put out, dude. I was talking about that. When people awesome, need to man. have a why to start, you know, why should I actually pay attention? Like, I know I should, but why should I actually pay attention to protect the outdoors? And I think like that's what's lacking is the why people know they should, but they don't know why they should really, well, or they don't I have a personal like, reason. I think that like our part of it's just like funding, man. And I'm not like here to discuss that, but like, um, I think like our national parks are severely underfunded and like, 
if they had the funds, they, they could push it even harder. And that's something I wish they would push even harder because like, it is really important, not just in national parks, but forests are national forests and um, areas all in between state parks, parks that you go walk your dog in everywhere. I think it's super important. Like as a trail runner, you won't believe how many people you see, like get their doggy bags and put their poop in their doggy bags and then just leave the doggy bag on trail. And it's like, that's worse than just leaving your dog's poop on trail. Yeah, please. Dude, I, I met, I totally agree. I, uh, I just wrote a huge paper on a call for interpretive management. I think like, I mean, that's my degree is wildlife management stuff. So it's, uh, I can get heated about it. I think like we need more interpretation. People need to know why they should do things. I think like we have so many regulations and even with the regulations and signage, people are still choosing not to, not to follow it and obey it. Um, yeah. Um, I met a guy named, uh, captain caveman on the, uh, CDT this year. And, uh, he's a, uh, ATC Ridge runner in the Smokies and he's a super cool guy. And little like context, Captain Caveman has a prosthetic from his knee down. And I'll never forget, I pointed at this like tree where it was like carved with very like crude things into it. And he was just like, man, when I see things like that, that's when I just want to pull my leg off and beat somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had a very heated LNT conversation afterwards. And it was very, very nice. Like just seeing somebody get like riled up and passionate about protecting our resources it was very nice yeah man well my dog's groaning so if you've heard groans it's not me farting it's my dog i'm groaning so i apologize how can people uh you know follow along in your journeys to come or contact you with questions or anything uh it's just hiking with poison as always on instagram that's pretty much the only platform i use um i'm not super active on there i like try to be active but then like yeah. i'm like hey i should make a post and then like <laughs> never get around to making the post usually i'm pretty good on trail about posting some things like after i do them or stuff but like when i'm home i'm not pretty like you know post savvy or anything like that yeah but, um if you have any questions or you want to yell at me and tell me how i was wrong during the podcast <laughs> it's hiking with or poison hiking with poison on Instagram. hiking with poison at instagram yep Oh, hell yeah, man. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's been a great conversation as usual. Maybe we'll have you on after you finish the Triple Crown and PCT. Um, sorry about my dog. He's being incredibly loud right now. <laughs> I don't know how to silence I can't him, even but... hear him. It's all good. Oh, really? Man. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Sweet, man. Well, I'm just going to stop the recording and uh, we can talk after for a second. Cool, cool, cool.